pro-China, anti-America. Facebook is removing nearly 8,000 accounts and over 900 pages, all linked to sprawling influence operations tied to Beijing. China is uninvestable, the U.S. Commerce Secretary's blunt comment to Beijing during her trip there, offering a bleak picture of how American firms view China. Fielding thousands of autonomous systems in just two years, the Pentagon now betting big to counter China's growing weapon arsenal. And an over 560-mile trek through Taiwan, wearing camouflage and carrying a plastic rifle. A former Taiwanese soldier has one message to deliver, be prepared for war. Welcome to China in Focus. I'm Tiffany Meyer. Facebook's single biggest takedown yet. The social media giant removing almost 8,000 user accounts from its platform on Tuesday, along with over 900 Facebook pages and 15 Instagram accounts. Its parent company, Meta, saying these are tied to a major Chinese influence campaign. Meta's security lead for global threats called it the largest and most prolific covert influence operation that his team knows of. It started over four years ago, though it has been unsuccessful. So what did the campaign aim to do? It has been pushing Chinese propaganda by posting on platforms like Facebook, Instagram, TikTok and Twitter. In one case, it published a research paper claiming COVID-19 originated from the U.S. It also shared content smearing the 2019 pro-democracy protests in Hong Kong. Meta said Chinese law enforcement officials appear to be behind the campaign, adding that they work from offices across China, following regular shifts throughout the day. The operation targets countries like the U.S., Australia, Taiwan, Britain and Japan. It also takes aim at global Chinese audiences. It has been active on over 50 platforms and forums. What's the status on U.S.-China ties? With economic concerns taking center stage, America's Commerce Secretary says Washington won't compromise on national security, but notes decoupling isn't on President Biden's radar. Here's more on her trip to Beijing. As U.S. Commerce Secretary Gina Raimondo meets with her Chinese counterpart in China, Raimondo said Washington will not compromise or negotiate on matters of national security. At the same time, President Biden asked me to come here to convey the message that we do not seek to decouple. We seek to maintain our uh, $700 billion commercial relationship with China. But working together isn't always smooth sailing either. The secretary told Beijing China has become uninvestable indicating the difficulties U.S. businesses have been facing in the world's second-largest economy, like fines, raids and other actions. Tensions are running especially high in the tech sector. Looking to tackle U.S. export controls, the Chinese regime banned memory chip purchases from U.S. maker Micron. Raimondo also touched on China's recent curbs on two types of rare earth metals, gallium and germanium. In the end, the two sides agreed to form a working group to exchange information and reduce misunderstandings that might worsen ties. In fact, what she said was that she would be tougher with U.S. national security, but she may be practical about trade between the two. That is to say, she looks to increase trade between the two. Combating China's rising threat has become a bipartisan issue in Washington. This month, President Biden released new sanctions on U.S. investment in China targeting sensitive technologies like advanced microchips. 
attempted sabotage of an American bill. According to a recent U.S. military document, the Chinese Communist Party conducted information warfare against a Texas bill. If passed, it would ban the sale of U.S. land to China. The document says Beijing even gave the green light for assault against the bill's supporters. The military document is a slide from the 10th Air Force. It's called the China Threat and was obtained by the Epic Times. The CCP-controlled media platform WeChat was flooded with false information about the bill. The document also says that two pro-bill witnesses received threats of violence from WeChat accounts. Some background on the bill, it was to ban entities and foreign nationals of China, Russia, Iran and North Korea from purchasing land in Texas. This legislation comes after a former Chinese military officer purchased 140,000 acres of land close to the Laughlin Air Force Base in Texas. A short extension on a long-standing science and technology agreement with China. That's what Washington is pushing for, as lawmakers say it risks fostering Beijing-backed IP theft. Let's take a closer look. The landmark agreement was first signed in 1979 and set a framework for the United States and China to cooperate on scientific research and technology development. The pact has been renewed every five years and was set to expire August 27th. A U.S. State Department spokesperson said the short-term six-month extension will keep the agreement in force while the U.S. tries to negotiate new terms. The department said the deal provides consistent standards for government scientific cooperation. The agreement renewal is under intense scrutiny. U.S. lawmakers pointed out that it risks intellectual property theft and threatens national security. Former U.S. Chief Technology Officer Michael Kratzios, who worked on the last renewal of the Science and Technology Agreement, said that allowing it to expire would help refocus U.S. cutting-edge R&D investments into venues where they are far less vulnerable to being used against U.S. national interests. The House Select Committee on China has urged the U.S. government not to renew the agreement. Chinese embassy spokesperson Liu Pengyu said in an emailed statement that Beijing's views and positions on China-U.S. science and technology relations are consistent and that science and technology is an open business. China's fast fashion giant Xi'an is back in the spotlight. 16 U.S. states have asked America's top regulator to audit the retailer's supply chain ahead of its potential initial public offering. The China-founded company has been accused of using forced labor. NTD's Jeremy Sandberg tells us more. Republican attorneys general from 16 states asked the SEC for the audit of Xi'an in a letter last week. They urged the SEC to ensure Xi'an and other foreign companies listed on U.S. exchanges verify through independent audits that they comply with U.S. laws that prohibit imports made with any forced labor. Xi'an, which sells $7 dresses and $5 home goods in more than 150 countries, recently moved its headquarters to Singapore. But most of its business operations, including factories and warehouses, remain in China. Pressure on the fast fashion giant is mounting as China hawks in Congress target Chinese firms not aligned with U.S. foreign policy goals. Reuters, citing anonymous sources, reported last month that Xi'an was working with at least three investment banks on a potential U.S. initial public offering and had been in talks with the New York Stock Exchange and NASDAQ. Xi'an has previously said it does not plan to IPO this year and has zero tolerance for forced labor. Two dozen U.S. representatives sent a similar letter to the SEC in May, asking for it to halt a potential Xi'an IPO until the company confirmed that it does not use forced labor. 
Accusations against the company include criminal use of cotton from the Xinjiang region, where genocide against the Uyghur minority group is ongoing, forced labor, intellectual property theft from independent designers, and a production process that contributes to pollution. A 2022 undercover documentary by the UK's Channel 4 found Xi'an factory employees working up to 18 hours a day, with just one day off every month, and earning next to nothing. The retailer has been able to rapidly expand in the U.S., despite concerns over its labor practices and sustainability. The China-founded fast fashion retailer opened a warehouse in Indiana in 2022 to expedite deliveries and meet rising demand. It reportedly expanded by 20% this month to nearly 1.8 million square feet. Indiana's Republican Attorney General Todd Rokita did not sign the letter. Jeremy Sandberg, NTD News. The Pentagon is unveiling a strategy to counter China. The Defense Department saying a new project is in the works. It would churn out thousands of autonomous systems like drones and unmanned aircrafts over the next two years. These weapons target the Chinese military's biggest advantage, called mass. The word comes from Deputy Secretary of Defense Kathleen Hicks. She said China has more ships, more missiles and more people. But using autonomous systems would make the U.S. military harder to hit and harder to beat, since these weapons are small, cheap and plentiful. She added the Pentagon would spell out details of the project in the coming weeks, and that right now the department will stay cagey in terms of what it shares, particularly with China. Dressed in camouflage and holding a plastic rifle, a former Taiwanese soldier has been traversing Taiwan for over a month on foot, bringing one message along with him, be prepared for war. Here's his story. Dressed in camouflage and holding a plastic rifle, this former Taiwanese soldier has a new mission. Tsai Dongling is 22 years old and was discharged from the army in July. Since then, he has been traveling around his homeland with one message for his compatriots. Be prepared for war. I am touring Taiwan in military attire and full gear. I hope through this I can encourage people to participate in national defense, increase counter-enemy awareness so that Taiwan can avoid the impact brought on by war, to make Taiwan better. Tsai's initiative comes amid rising tensions with China. China, which claims Taiwan as its own territory, has stepped up its military activity, trying to force the democratically ruled island to accept Beijing's sovereignty. Last week, Beijing conducted drills near Taiwan to protest Vice President William Lai's brief visit to the U.S. Tsai takes the threats from China seriously, and he wants other people to have the same level of awareness. I want people to be prepared, prepare for war with a goal. Everyone should know who is the enemy. We need to see this clearly and to come together with our diverse opinions, be united and move forward with the same goal. When we face a dictator country, the peace gained from surrendering to it is one that requires us to kneel down. Peace that is exchanged by us kneeling down is not going to last and will result in unfairness and a lack of freedom. There are already precedents in the case of Hong Kong, Xinjiang and Ukraine. So I believe it is clear what we should do. We should not stay divided. Tsai has walked more than 560 miles around Taiwan. He says he has no idea how long he will stay on the road, but that he won't stop until his message is delivered across the island. 
A standoff deepens between China and Japan over the release of treated water from the Fukushima power plant. On Tuesday, Tokyo said it might file a complaint against Beijing with the World Trade Organization. That's an attempt to reverse China's ban on all Japanese seafood imports. According to the island nation's economic security minister, taking China to the WTO will become an option if diplomacy doesn't work. The statement comes as multiple Japanese businesses continue to receive harassment phone calls from China, with many of them complaining about the water release. Last week, Japan began to discharge treated radioactive wastewater into the Pacific Ocean. The International Atomic Energy Agency deemed the decision safe. China immediately followed up with a ban on all seafood coming from Japan, despite releasing its own wastewater for decades. Meanwhile, in Shanghai, local authorities have started inspecting Japanese food products in restaurants and supermarkets, making sure none of the products came from trade-restricted areas of Japan. While Wall Street pros often get compared to poker's Texas Hold'em, China's financial industry now prefers playing a new strategy, throwing eggs to network with officials. In the midst of heated trade tensions with the U.S., how is China's hottest poker game exposing an attitude shift in business circles? Let's zoom in. As foreign funding dries up in China amid souring relations with the United States, Chinese bankers and business executives are taking to a novel way of unlocking domestic capital by throwing eggs. That's the rough translation for Guandan, a poker-like card game that's been around for decades. Lawyer and Guandan trainer Li Keshu said business people like it because they can deepen relationships with others by playing. When dealing with different departments in the financial circle, people can build friendships with each other by playing Guandan. As a way to communicate, people prefer using entertainment to communicate. Total U.S.-based venture capital investment in China plummeted to $9.7 billion last year from $32.9 billion in 2021, according to market data firm PitchBook. And domestic private capital has also dwindled as President Xi Jinping signaled his preference for a bigger state presence in the economy by cracking down in areas from technology to real estate over the last few years. So financiers now see the game as a way to build what's called guanxi, or connections, with officials who hold the purse strings on local projects. A Guandan bar was opened in Beijing earlier this year. Owner Hua Min said her customers range from retirees to young professionals seeking to break into new social circles. You can reach out to society by playing guandan, to reach out to all kinds of people and then rediscover your identity. I feel that under such circumstances, playing guandan allows you to do that with minimal trial and error. Though it's not unheard of, Chinese officials in the past have been censured for receiving bribes through card games. But for now, Beijing does not seem to be bothered by the game's growing popularity. According to the South China Morning Post, the game comes with a few stipulations. Firstly, the poker game is not intended for gambling purposes. So it offers a safe way to kill time amid Beijing's tightened scrutiny of its cadre's lavish lifestyles. But the game's popularity has attracted some criticism, mainly for its reflection of a so-called flat-lying mentality within Chinese ruling apparatus, an approach highlighted by doing only the bare minimum. 
Another big story to look out for. Labeled mentally ill for his anti-CCP stance, how did a 19-year-old activist's decision to join a political protest lead to detention in a Chinese psychiatric hospital? Stay tuned to hear his story. That report and more coming up tomorrow on China in Focus. But coming up today, do you want your pension to pay for the Chinese Communist Party's military aircraft? Chairman of the House Select Committee on the CCP, Mike Gallagher, says the question is no longer a hypothetical. Millions of Americans have now become Beijing's financial backers, many of them none the wiser. So how big of a threat is this? And what should Washington do to stop it? American thought leader's host Yanya Kellick sat down with Representative and Chairman of the House Select Committee, Mike Gallagher, about the risks. More on that after the break, here on China in Focus. Welcome back to China in Focus. I'm Tiffany Meyer. We are subsidizing our own destruction. That's the warning from Chairman of the House Select Committee, Mike Gallagher. It comes as reports say Wall Street investments are flowing into blacklisted Chinese companies. How should Washington protect its own financial system? American thought leaders host Yania Kellick spoke to Representative and Chairman of the House Select Committee, Mike Gallagher, for more. Today we have our very special guest, Congressman Mike Gallagher, the chairman of the Select Committee on the United States Competition with the Chinese Communist Party. We usually just call it the Select Committee on the CCP. Congressman Gallagher, so good to have you. It's great to be with you. Well, something that we've been covering at the Epoch Times for some time has been this, you know, passive investing through these various uh, investment funds uh, into the Chinese Communist Party, including into Chinese military uh, companies and so forth. And recently, you and the Select Committee announced an investigation into BlackRock and the MSCI index. And I guess what I want to, what I want to know is what kind of got you to finally pull the trigger on trying to figure out what's going on here officially? Well, a few years ago, during the Trump administration, we had this um, controversy about the fact that military and federal government employee retirement through the thrift savings plan were being invested passively, tracking an MSCI index in in China. So the concern at the time was that military uh, retirement funds could be used to invest in Chinese companies that were building things designed to kill American military service members in a future conflict, which is, of course, absurd on its face. So that's where the kernel of it started. The Trump administration wrestled with this idea. Now the Biden administration is wrestling with it. But our investigation, even in its early stages, just in the infancy, has revealed that money continues to flow into companies that are blacklisted. Uh, they're on American blacklists. We found that MSCI and BlackRock have directed investment in companies that produce the Chinese Communist Party's military aircraft, its aircraft carriers, its aerospace technology, its artillery shells, even advanced nuclear technology. They've directed investments in companies like BGI Genomics, which collaborated with the Chinese military to collect genetic data on foreign persons without their consent and other companies found to be complicit in supporting forced labor and human rights abuses in China. So I, I guess reasonable people can disagree about where exactly you draw the line for economic decoupling from China. 
But I don't think anyone, Republican or Democrat, would think that we should be allowing American money to invest in companies like this. We are, in some meaningful sense and in some very troubling sense, subsidizing our own destruction. Well, so I want to touch on this one specific uh, instance that you mentioned, which is, I guess, the case in point, which is the military thrift savings plan investing in Chinese military companies. Is that still happening? The Trump administration took action to stop it. Uh, the board, there's a, a board via the Department of Labor that oversees it, was divided. Uh, Trump's uh, labor secretary ultimately went forward it. But the reality is that we've only scratched the surface in terms of how much money is being invested in China. And then there's, of course, the problem of military civil fusion in China. Uh, so if TS, there, there could be very well be the case that TSP is still exposed to the Chinese market. And it's very difficult for even very sophisticated investors to draw a line between Chinese military companies, so-called civilian companies. And there, are, of course, is no such thing as a private company in China. Every, every company is subject to the whims of the Chinese Communist Party. Put that aside, though. Put it TSP, because TSP was really a small subset of this issue. It was, a, it was just a few billion dollars. If you include passive capital uh, and public investments, not just the private investments and active capital in the form of private equity and venture capital, uh, we're talking trillions of dollars of American money that's still flowing in to China. And so the risk beyond the immediate risk of subsidizing companies that are doing bad things, that are complicit in genocide, that are helping the CCP's military ambition, expediting those ambitions. Overall, what's happening is you're making the health of American retirees dependent upon the success of the Chinese Communist Party. And that success augurs for a very bleak future. And so that's what we need to stop. Uh, I, I, again, I, I, you know, I know that people are divided on this issue, but we just can't be in the business of subsidizing our own destruction here. This is also at a time when we see the Chinese economy. There's, you know, officially, I think everyone agrees that there's more exposure in the Chinese economy now than there even has been in the past. Just not even talking about their ability, as you suggested, to basically, you know, basically st stop any company from functioning uh, with a U.S. one. Yeah, I think investors, notwithstanding all the disruption we saw during the pandemic, which obviously came from China, from Wuhan, uh, likely from the Wuhan Institute of Virology, notwithstanding all the supply chain issues that we had during the pandemic, notwithstanding the threats by the CCP to weaponize those supply chain, to potentially cut off the export of advanced pharmaceutical ingredients, for example, American investors and people on Wall Street that have already made billions of dollars off of China's rise continue to try and pour money into China and continue to lobby against Congress taking aggressive effort to reclaim our economic independence from China and to decouple selectively in key financial and economic uh, areas. They've been all over Capitol Hill saying, hey, China's open for business again. Xi Jinping reversed COVID zero. There's an opportunity to continue investing. We can make money. We can go back to the good old days. It's a total fantasy. How much more evidence do we need to understand that we are not dealing with a responsible stakeholder in the form of the Chinese Communist Party? We're dealing with an increasingly hostile Marxist-Leninist regime that's threatening war over the near term and threatening to dominate the globe over the long term. That's what we're up against here, and it's time to take off the golden blindfolds and have a more realistic approach.
That's all for today's China in Focus. I'm Tiffany Meyer. If you have any feedback on the show or have something you'd like to see us cover, send us an email at chinainfocus@ntd.com. We'd love to hear from you. Thanks for watching. See you tomorrow.